0: Bankruptcy, divorce laws, disability, probate, there are so many classes on the path to practicing law. Unfortunately, most schools fail to instruct you on the business of law. This is Solo De Facto, a show dedicated to discovering the success secrets that exist in the reality of running a solo practice. My goal is to find the one thing that separates each guest from the rest to give you practical solutions to create a thriving firm. Solo de facto is sponsored by Back Office Betty's, trusted virtual legal receptionist. I'm
1: thrilled to be here today with another episode of Solo de facto. Today's guest is a technology and innovation leader in this industry. She is the CEO of Lawyerist, uh, Stephanie Everett. Welcome to the show. Hey, thanks for having me. I am really excited to be talking to you today. And my first big question for you is what is the one thing that you wish attorneys knew about running a successful law firm?
2: Yeah, that's a good one. Cause there's so many, but if I had to just go with one, I think it is this is that you are actually running a business, right? And so many of us know that we practice in a profession and for sure, Law is a profession and I'm a lawyer. So, you know, I feel pretty comfortable saying that, but when you decide to open your own firm, it really is a business. Whether you have one attorney or a hundred attorneys, it, it, it has needs and desires and you need to understand that it's a business and how to make that work. Um, and I guess maybe a a slight tangent, if I have a single pet peeve, it's this, I've decided I want to ban the term true solo it's so silly, but, um, I think it sends the wrong message to your team. Like I hear people saying they're a true solo. And I think what they mean, sometimes people use it and they say, well, I'm the only lawyer. Right. But most people I know are not true solos, whatever. Well, I don't even know why we put the word true in front of it. It's So silly, like, because solo wasn't enough. And so now people are like, no, no, I'm a true solo. I mean, I don't know many people who are running a business and are doing all the things on their own, right? From answering their phones to doing the bookkeeping. I mean, invoice, I mean, you could go on and on, nor do I think you should. Like you opened a business and you should focus on what you do best and let other people help you. And so I'm really on a mission to teach that whole concept to people, how you build a team and how you think about your team differently And so, yeah, that was probably more than one thing, but hopefully you got the idea.
1: No, I think that's great. And it leads me to ask you about the specific parts of business that you think are overlooked the most when somebody goes into it, thinking I'm going to be a solo, I'm going to do everything myself. What are the pieces that they're probably missing or they're not realizing that they actually need help with? Yeah. I mean, you know,
2: at Lawyerist, we've really identified six elements that we think make up a healthy business. And we use that term healthy on purpose because we do think you should be building a business that is healthy, right? That, that makes money, but also provides a good living, a good way to live for you, your clients, and everyone on your team. And so we think about those components as a healthy strategy, healthy team, healthy clients, healthy profits, healthy systems, and and then the, finally that leads to having healthy owners. And I think each and every one of those things are so important. Um, most many law firm owners sort of overlook a lot of those steps, quite frankly. They they know some of the nuts and bolts of, okay, I, I need to practice law and I'm really good at this pr- part of law, so I'll just open in my own shop and I'll, I'll offer this as a service. And they never really step back and think about a larger strategic purpose for their business. Like, why are you going to start this business? What is the goal with it? Are you going, you know, what's an exit strategy? Quite frankly, you should probably at least have that thought on day one. Not that you necessarily have to sell to somebody, although you may want to, but you want to at least set yourself up to have that option, I think. And so if you kind of start with that end in mind and understand what it is you're building, then you can be really intentional along the way about how you want to build it.
1: That is such a great little bit of advice that I think you're right. People don't go into a business thinking I'm going to sell it, but when you do that, you're also setting yourself up to be able to take breaks that you need. And like by implementing team members that do certain things that otherwise a solo would probably be trying to do on their own. You don't have to spend 24 seven working because you've got other people that when you're setting yourself up to leave anyway, you've set up a better balance between your life and your business.
2: Yeah. Um, I don't know anyone that wants to work 24 seven. So why would we do that? Why? I don't know why we do that to ourselves.
1: (laughs) I I've been wondering if it's almost like a, um, you know, like the grit and the hustle is so glamorized that. People don't want to get the help because then it almost seems less impressive. But I feel like that is not the case. I feel like when you get help and are able to improve the way that every part of your business is working, you're actually going to be more impressive. And then when you're proving that you're managing all of that is like a whole other level of impressive. Absolutely. Um,
2: I love that. I love that framing. I think you're right.
1: Yeah, it, that's what stands out to me, at least, um, especially because I have had that mindset of I need to do it all myself, or else I'm not an impressive person. <laughs> so I, I kind of have that person personal uh, relation to that. But I'm really curious. You mentioned, um, or I think you mentioned a little bit about the strategy, and you know, how do you how do you go into your law firm and and set up a strategy? What does that look like? Yeah. I mean, ultimately
2: it starts with, with your vision. What is it that you want to create? And I think here's where the fun happens because unfortunately so many of us, we just know about the law firms that came before us. And I think there's a real opportunity to sort of break the mold. And so we don't have to be so constrained to the way every other law firm has been set up for the last 200 plus years or whatever it's been right, which is pretty much the same. And so I think if you start from a different place and say, what is this thing that I want to build and how do I want it to be different? What does that look like? Maybe I, I don't want to be tied to my desk all the time. I want to create something different. I want to have clients who feel supported, who feel regularly updated. And I want to offer services based on what my clients need and at different price points, that's something new for a lot of lawyers, right? In the past, we've only offered, we, you know, there's the model has been, you know, I come to my lawyer with my problem and the lawyer says, I've got you pay me this retainer. I'll bill you every month. You'll, you'll never know what it is. Just trust me. You don't make a ton of decisions in your case, but, but just trust me, I'm going to do what you need me to do. And it's going to be okay. And I think clients are more savvy now and they want options and maybe they don't want that, you know, most bespoke high-end service. They know they can afford something, but not that. And so you, the as the law firm owner, get to decide what is it that you're going to offer? How are you going to offer it? How are you going to differentiate yourself from everybody else? Because by the way, a lot of us are just entering into already crowded marketplaces without really thinking about those differentiators. And then we wonder why we struggle to attract the right clients in our marketing. So you, so you, start to see like the strategy is the foundation and everything in your business builds upon that. Right. So this, once I know my strategy, um, it's going to impact what I offer, who I help, how I help those people, how I price it, how I deliver it. Am I going to use technology? Am I going to use systems? Am I going to hire contractors or virtual assistants. And what will my team look like? Everything is all connected, but it all starts from the same place, which is simply, you know, what is, what do I want this thing to look like? What kind of business do I want to build? And too many lawyers go into that and gloss over and just kind of assume, well, it'll just be like what it's always been. And my, my point Is that no, have some fun. And, and this is your chance to experiment and build something amazing for yourself and for your family and eventually for your team and your clients. So this is the time to kind of blow the
1: roof off and, and create something that could look and feel very different. I think I've mentioned this before, and maybe it was, maybe we were talking about this previously, but I really, think it is so cool how the legal field is shifting to allow for that and to allow for people to, you know, have their personalities come out in their, um, in their law firms, they're allowed to market in creative ways, they're allowed to have a family and still be an attorney who's successful, but they've got a balance where they don't answer the phone after 6pm. And that they have clients that accept and acknowledge and are fine with that. And I think that that shift from the same business that has been happening in law firms for, as you said, 200 years, is that shift is really cool to see. And I think that something that has propelled that has probably been this whole pandemic of people being forced to figure out how to do something different from home. (laughs) And it's allowing that additional level of creativity and changing the strategy. But that takes me to the question, do you need a strategy before you ever get started? Or what happens if somebody is so caught up in the strategy that they can't even press play on their business? What do you recommend in that that scenario?
2: I mean, you need some loose ideas, right? Like you need a sketch, but you don't need a final product. So I know, because again, I'm a lawyer, I can say this we are perfectionists. <laughs> we are taught in law school that everything has to be perfect and our briefs have to be perfect and you know everything has to be perfect. And so I have seen lawyers get into this strategy work with me where I'm trying to help them create this vision and create the strategic plan for their business. And quite frankly, they do get stuck because they think This has to be the perfect vision, and I have to have it all figured out. And this is where I give you some permission to play. Like, you need to have some ideas. We need to know if we're headed, you know, northeast or to the southwest, right? Like, we need to have a a somewhat of a direction, but we can start to fill in those details along the way. And so, like, a great example, I was working with a lawyer recently, and he's like, I know that I'd love to have passive recurring income coming into my business, right? that's something new for a lot of lawyers because in the past, you know, we only get paid if we get hired for a matter. So the idea that a client might come to us each and every month for repetitive services or somehow that money's coming in without, without us necessarily doing specific work on their file is new. And he's like, so I know this is something I want, but, um, me and my business partner are really just struggling on what that's going to look like. Like, should it be this kind of thing or this, or this other kind of thing? And I was like, dude, we got it. Like you've identified that that's important to you. You want passive recurring revenue. Um, great. Like, let's check that off the box. We know we, we, we now have a direction we're headed. We can, we'll get there. We'll come up with the product offering and we can scope that out and price that out. We don't have to have all of it figured out. I think you need to get going. And you know, the idea of like build it as we go in a minimally viable product, you know, we can get started on things and, but we need to be intentional and we need to keep focused on it. So it doesn't mean you won't ever revisit it. It doesn't mean you don't come back to that idea, but we, we definitely want to get going with it, um, for sure. And, and by the way, for some people maybe listening are thinking, oh man, you know, I never did this in the beginning. I did exactly what Stephanie said, and I just opened my law firm. And now what do I do? Don't worry. Like you can always kind of reset. And now is a great time to, to have that conversation around the beginning of the year and be like, okay, where, where do I want this thing to go? And what steps can I take this year to get me closer there? Knowing that you're constantly sort of refining that ultimate end goal. End goal. So you don't have to have everything figured out and it's never too late to start.
1: Yeah, I was stuck in that um, in, we had a leadership meeting recently where we're doing our planning for next year. And to me, it, it took a little bit of work for me to understand or wrap my head around the fact that this plan for the next year doesn't have to be the plan forever. And so you are continuously changing the plans with your vision in mind, but it doesn't have to stay the same. And I think that that's something that really probably stops people from even starting it at any point once they've gotten going is that they're afraid that there's no way that they can, you know, make it work with everything they've already done. Because I know I'm a person that has a difficult time of change. And so when I am, you know, thinking about something that I'm I'm setting up, it's going to be that way forever. <laughs> and so I think that that's like a difficult mindset that sometimes you have to wrap your head around. And there's probably other people like me that, that feel that way, that it's like, I've set this plan. Now I have to stick to it. What if I hate it? Yeah. And so I think that that's something really valuable that you're mentioning about the vision is that it doesn't have to be set in stone.
2: Yeah. I guess the other thing I'd add too, is we're big fans of relentless incrementalism, So the idea that you just can make 1% change each week, right? Sometimes, because here's the other way that lawyers get stuck, especially, or really everybody, all business owners, you know, it's the new year, we start setting really lofty goals, and we're really excited about them. And then three weeks in, you know, whatever breaks loose, and we never get to them. And then those goals kind of get left behind. And so we were really ambitious. Um, Instead just start small, right? Like if you just make small, simple changes, but you do it consistently each and every week or each month, you get 1% better over time. You will be heads and shoulders above everybody else. Cause most, most firms are stagnant or declining. So it doesn't take big changes or big steps to get you where you want to be. In fact, the most successful people that we work with just take really small steps. And then all of a sudden they'll look back and they'll be like eight months later. And they look back and think, wow, I, I did all that. And I had no idea, but look how far I've come. And it's because you're just kind of constantly chipping away at it.
1: Yeah. That is fantastic advice. You know, just one baby step at a time. And you're going to look back and have no idea that you made it as far as you did. Um, so what do you think everyone gets wrong when they go into business and they are sitting down and they're like I'm gonna set up the strategy. what what's the big thing that goes wrong or the biggest mistake that you see when somebody comes to you and they're like I set this strategy but it's not working
2: hmm. Well, I don't know if it's the biggest thing but one trap that we do to ourselves, Is just around judgment and self-talk, man, we beat ourselves up. Like we're really good at it. (laughs) And so I have some lawyers that I've worked with in the past, like literally get on coaching calls with me in tears because they just feel so bad that they didn't start sooner or that the first year in business, I thought I was going to get all these things set up. I thought I'd have all these systems in place. I had these ideas. I was going to accomplish these things. And then the pandemic happened or client work came in and I had more than I could handle. And now I'm so far behind. And we almost like we beat ourselves up so much, but then in a way it also like paralyzes us because we, we can't move forward. And so you know, you're not going to get it completely right. Nobody does, you know, like a first draft is never perfect, right? It's not designed to be, you just got to get it out of you and then you start refining it. And, you know, I don't even know when I put content out into the world, I don't know what perfect looks like until I receive feedback, until people come back to me and ask questions or challenge me or say, well, this part didn't make sense. Oh, okay. Well now I can go and perfect it. And it's kind of the same with our business. Like we have ideas and we're going into it with assumptions and ideas about what our clients want, but until we actually get out there and start building it and testing it and get that feedback that we need from clients and team members and everybody else, you're, you're, it's never going to be perfect. So stop trying and then stop beating yourself up when it's not like, that's just silly. And, oh, I hate it, it. it saddens me. Cause I, I mean, people are in real pain over this. Like I said, real tears have been shed in my presence and I'm like, just want to give them virtual hugs and be like, like we got this, you know, we, we, we can move through this too. Again, we just got to keep moving forward. Maybe that's going to be my theme today.
1: <laughs> Sometimes you just need somebody to come in and be like, no, you're going to be fine. And you are making progress and things don't have to be as bad as you're making them, um, and honestly, sometimes I just need that advice too. So thank you for speaking it to me. Um, now, when you say that you know you set something up and you decide if it's going to work, how do you measure if part of your strategy is working? How do you know what you should be keeping and what you should be changing?
2: Yeah. So you know we talk a lot about KPIs or key performance indicators, which is just a fancy word for data right? Like, so I mean, you should set a goal. And, um, and so you have this vision, you have these ideas, and then you can set a goal. And then you just want to have benchmarks to see, are you getting closer to the goal or further away? And that's where that data comes in and gives you that good um, benchmark. And as a new business owner, you know, there, there's a, here's the other thing, by the way, guys, there's so much data in your business that you can get overwhelmed. And so you know, we want to think of KPIs as like the dashboard of our car, like a few key dials or, you know, measurements or something indicators really tell us what's going on with our car. And we all know this now, cause we've all driven so much that it makes perfect sense. Oh so yeah. If the light engine gauge comes on. I know to take it to the mechanic or if the gas light, whatever, go get gas. Um, we need something similar for our business. And so we don't need to overload ourselves with 50 data points because quite frankly, it's too much. Well, we'll never be able to act on that. But if you had to think about two or three things that could really give you a sense of, is your business healthy? You know, what would those be based on the goals that you have for yourself? So everybody always wants to tell, wants me to tell them the answer. They're like, no, seriously, Stephanie, you know, which ones should I be tracking? And I'm always like, well, I mean, it depends. It's a good lawyer answer, but you know, what are our goals for this quarter? And based on that, we can then kind of backtrack and figure out what really matters. But for every part of your business, we can come up with some kind of metric to, to track and see if you're on success. I mean, if you're a newer business, an easy one is, are you paying yourself a market rate for the work you do in your business? You know, I, I see way too many lawyers who are quite frankly, just underpaid. and so. I would challenge everyone. Like if you're thinking about how much money you're bringing home from your business today in whatever form, I'm not giving tax advice over W-2s or distributions or whatever, just when you think about the pocket, you know, the bucket of money that you bring home, you know, how, how much is it? And if you had to hire someone today to do the job you do in your firm, what would you have to pay someone? And so as an owner of your business, I want you to make two big buckets of money. I want you to make a market rate, you know, a salary essentially for the work that you do in your business. And as the owner, you should get a reasonable return on your profit. I mean, a reasonable return on your investment, which is your profit. And so we're just kind of, when we conceptualize those two buckets, it kind of helps us really understand is our business healthy? Unfortunately, a lot of lawyers, especially, you know, newer owners, conflate those two and they just kind of take home whatever's left at the end of the day and sometimes it's not very much um and so a good kpi just to understand is like are you able to pay yourself what you're worth and if not what levers could you start pulling pretty quickly so that you can because maybe where we started with this but your business should exist to serve you and so if your business isn't allowing you to live the life that you want to lead something, you're not on the right path. And I'm not saying you have to get there immediately when you're first starting your business. Of course, you're doing all the things. Um, but we want to make sure we're on a path and we're growing it in a way where we can accomplish these, these things.
1: There was so much good stuff in that answer. (laughs) Um, so when you are talking to somebody who is recognizing that they are not paying themselves a market rate, what is the first lever you tell them to pull or that thing that you are like, you need to do this now to fix this problem?
2: Yeah. I mean, there's a little bit of diagnosing to do, right? So some easy questions. Sometimes we just look at what, what's the issue. So for some people, you know, I always take some easy answers. Like, do you have huge AR? you know, do people owe you money? Are you getting work works coming in the door? So that's not the problem. You're doing the work and you're invoicing it and people just aren't paying you. Okay. Well, that's a problem we need to fix. And that could be for a lot of number of reasons. There's not exactly one thing that could be going wrong. It could be several, but that's a, that's usually some low hanging fruit. Like, okay, let's make sure we're getting that money in one attorney I worked with was just nervous about transferring the money from the trust account to the operating ac- account and when to make that happen right so sometimes just our fear just keeps us from doing some pretty simple accounting things that we need to do to make our business work so th- so that could be an answer um sometimes it's a, it, like for that same attorney just changing some payment terms made a huge dis- difference on her cash flow so she had a ton of money in trust but her retainer agreement was set up cuz she was flat fee billing that she didn't get the bulk of the money until the end of the case. And I was like, well, what can we put in and get you paid for the work you're doing more incrementally along the way so that we make sure money's not just hanging out in trust, but eventually is getting pulled over when it should be. Um, For some people, they just don't have the clients coming in the door. They don't have enough work. Well, that's another issue then. So now we got to solve and get leads in the door and get marketing in the door. Other people, quite frankly, have too much on their plate. And I'm sure you see this a lot with what, with the work that you do and they are just stuck in overwhelm. And, and, and here's everybody always comes to me and they're like, give me your best productivity tips. And I'm like, you guys, my guess is that you don't need productivity tips. Cause you're not sitting around like screwing around on the internet all day wasting time the problem is that you're trying to do 12 different jobs in your law firm and you're wearing too many hats and quite frankly it would be impossible for you or anyone to do what you're trying to do in a day and so let's get realistic about what should actually be on your plate what we need to start delegating outsourcing bringing in outside vendors you know to help and what can we get off your plate and there's a cost to that for sure but it's an investment. And the more you get off the pl- your plate, the more it frees you up to do what's in your zone of genius, what only you can do. And usually, almost always, you make more money. The investment pays
1: off. It feels scary. It for sure is feels scary. But you got to do it. I think part of that, too, is that so many of the things that they're trying to do or that people try to do on their own it, they're not doing them well, because that's not where their genius lies. And so once you get that stuff handed over to somebody who can do it well, those parts of the business are running better, but then you're spending more time doing the thing that you do do well. So it, I feel like that little shift, even though it feels like an expense, as you mentioned, it's an investment because it's giving you more time and energy and everything to put into what's actually going to make you money. Yes. Whereas if you're sitting there answering your phone and it's another solicitor or you're, um, you know, you're doing your bookkeeping or whatever it is, those things are not, you can't charge for those. Right. And so then you're just wasting money and you're frustrated and you're losing energy because you're frustrated.
2: Yes. I mean, here's, you know, you guys are lawyers. You're smart people. We, we went to law school. And so that, you know, in our mind, we're like, but I can do this. I can figure it out. I, I could figure out how to build my own website. Of course you can, you're a smart cookie and you could do that, but you should not do that. Or, you, you know, mm-hmm. I would recommend not doing that because that is not what you're best doing. I mean, one of the best investments I made just recently, um, I hired a personal assistant, not, not even for my business. Like I actually hired this person for my household. So my husband and I hired this person on our own and she's part-time like, we're not talking like, I don't have like Beyonce money here. (laughs) Let's be, let's be real. But this is someone who's just helping us about 10 hours a week, get the lawn care person set up and, you know, do the dry cleaning and, um, I don't know, schedule Oh, my pets need to get boarded. Well, for the trip that we're taking and that, you know, that's another call that like, am I capable of making that call? Absolutely. I know how to pick up the phone and call the dog boarders. but to have somebody else take all of those tasks off my plate and all the other amazing stuff she does, because she just kind of comes in is like, oh, let me just do all these things. And I was like, yes, thank you. All those. And, and now I can just be so focused on what I actually need to do which are things that she can't do. Um, And the hidden benefit, like I wake up now just in a better mood. I walk around my house and the sink that had been broken for six months is finally fixed. And what, you know, what you don't realize is every time for six months, every time I went by that sink, I was slightly irritated and self-talk judgment, right? Coming in like, Stephanie, you really need to call the plumber. Would you figure out? And we just move? So I'm like, I don't know plumbers in the area. I got to find a new plumber. That means I'm going to have to research who's a good plumber. I don't have time to do that. And so like for six months, how many times did I have that mental conversation with myself over a stupid plumber?
1: And that's exhausting. Yes. like That, Ooh. <laughs> that conversation in itself is exhausting, let alone the fact of like, you didn't even have the willpower to do it at that time, you're still having this exhaustion around it.
2: I know it's yeah. fixed now. And now I, I wake up and I go by that sink and I'm like, this is so great.
1: It, it, that's amazing. It works. <laughs> I so amazing. need somebody to come in and do all of my laundry for me. That is what I'm like, if, if I'm going to hire somebody to help me, that is the first thing like do it. Every time I look at this pile of laundry, sitting in my basket next to my bed, because it's all, there's always a pile there. I am so frustrated. And I feel like that has to be the same when, you know, you get another phone call that isn't somebody you want to talk to, or you get another email come in that feels like a waste of your time or anything that you're doing that is so frustrating that you could hand off to somebody who enjoys doing that or is good at doing that. Like it's life-changing as you have mentioned. So, yes. Good for you. I hope that everyone listening right now can listen to Stephanie and be like, okay, I'm going to finally do this. I'm going to take some things off my plate so that I can be happier. Um, Because even if you aren't making more money, like your happiness is worth it. Too.
2: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I've been preaching this to everyone in our community. And so, so one of um, the attorneys that I work with, she just messaged me and was like, yeah, we finally, we have someone preparing our meals every night now, like a private local private chef. And they come and they just drop off, you know, twice a week prepared meals. She's like, they're healthier. It's cheaper because we were eating out a bunch or we, my partner and I were fighting about who should actually cook dinner. I mean, like, think of all the, just there's so much wrapped up in these mundane things. And now she's like, this is great. We're eating great. We're happy. We come home from work and we don't fight. We enjoy a meal together and it's life-changing. And it was the simplest thing. So this applies to so many. So get, get someone to do the laundry, have someone, whatever it is, that is your frustration point and just eliminate it for good.
1: Yeah. And consider how that can affect, you know, that can affect a marriage, but it could also affect your client relationships and your clients might end up being happier because you're able to focus more on them. You're able to do what you're good at in a more timely manner because you're not spending hours doing who knows what. Like, There's so many ways that this could benefit. So I love that that is um, something we're talking about. I do want to kind of move on a little bit and ask what is exciting or anything, um, super special that's coming up for you with lawyerist, um, that you want to talk about?
2: Um, yeah, we're relaunching our website. So if, if people haven't checked it out, it's lawyerist.com. So lawyerist.com and, um, It's going to be a whole new refresh site. So we've been spending a lot of time on that. And if you haven't been to our site, there's kind of two major areas. One really helps you understand how to build that healthy business that I was talking about. And we have all new guides on all the things to do that. And then then the second kind of big component of our site is how to find that outsourced help or technology or resources that you need to run your business better. So if you're thinking of purchasing a new piece of software or getting an outside vendor to help you, you can come onto our site and read reviews and watch demos and really just get all that. We've done all that hard research for you. So you can just go in one place and get the information that you need. So I'm, like, I'm excited to share that with the
1: world. I'm excited to see that um, because your website is already pretty neat in how you do those things and have those recommendations. So I can't wait to see like what is going to be an improvement. I'm I'm having trouble even picturing how it could be improved, you know, so I know that's exciting. Um, So now I want to, I kind of want to learn a little bit more about the life of Stephanie and how you got here. How did you get to where you are the CEO of Lawyerist's? you have all this amazing knowledge. You've written a book, um, the small firm roadmap. Right. And, um, what,
2: what led you here? Yeah. Great question. I mean, so I've, I've said it a couple of times. I am a lawyer. Um, if you had told me in law school, this is what I would be doing. I would not have believed you at all because I, I really thought I was just going to retire. I went to a law firm after I went to a big law firm after law school and thought this is where I'll retire. And had no intention of starting my own practice, but I did, um, partner and I started our own practice and we grew it from just the two of us and a legal assistant to a team of 20 in just under seven years, which was awesome wow. and fun and scary and hard and all the things. And I worked as our, you know, I was our managing partner and really shepherd that growth. And so all these people were coming to me, um, and asking me like, how did I do it? what what did you do how how did you even make that possible and it was through those conversations that i realized a really important thing which is what i thought was common sense wasn't maybe common and like everybody thinks that common sense is just known to everyone really that means that's your expertise right that you understand it so well and know this thing inherently that you just assume everyone else does and that's where you have to kind of be careful because no that probably means that it's your special knowledge that you need to share. And that was what I learned as, you know, colleagues kept coming to me and asking me questions about their business. Um, I was fortunate that my dad was a business owner and I guess, you know, we used to trade business books when I was in college for fun, <laughs> so it's probably, so that's what I always, like, I always have geeked out on business books and all the business concepts. And so this is like, this is just fun for me. This is what I enjoy doing. Like, I'm like, ooh, vacation, beach, you know, what which business book can I read? Which is probably right. Sad. sad.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I think that's great. I mean, you know, whatever you enjoy doing, you should be doing. So yes. So
2: that's ultimately what led me from, um, from practice to this coaching and consulting work that I'm doing was. I I wanted a change. I wanted a new challenge, and was fortunate that I had worked with a coach and that really introduced me to this concept. Because quite frankly, I don't know if I knew that that kind of thing existed before I worked with someone. And I was like, "Huh, I could see where this would really be valuable to people." So through a windy road of events, I landed on the lawyerist team four years ago, and um, and it's been great. And now we help lawyers, you know, more specifically build healthy law firms. We have a a coaching community that lawyers can join. I mean, we have a ton of free, obviously a ton of free content on our website and and you can get the book or listen to our podcast, but then we have a way for people who really need help implementing these concepts in their practice. And so I get to work with them one-on-one and in group settings every day. That's my job. I say I hit the professional
1: lottery because this is what I do. For a living. That's amazing. That is um like a dream story <laughs> of you know how people find um find what they love. So now I want to ask cuz you you went into big law and I'm guessing that something about that you didn't enjoy to transition to your own firm. So if you could go back in time and meet yourself, you know, right when you were starting in big law, what what advice would you give yourself? Hmm.
2: So I didn't have a horrible big law experience. You know, I mean, I, w- I was in a great firm with a great culture and I really enjoyed it. Um, I just got this crazy opportunity that I was like, huh, this seems foolish not to take. And so, um, maybe what I would say to me is a couple of things, but number one, like you can do big things because I would have t- I would have told you that I'm a rule follower. One of my best friends always says I'm a pilgrim, which really isn't a true thing, but she just means like, you know, I like to stay in my lane. I I, I like to use the crosswalk. Um, and so I very much follow rules, but then I've had these chances in my life where I've really taken huge risk and left a known job to start a new business. And at this point in my life, I've had five different businesses that I've owned. And so when you think about that, that's huge risk. And so it's sometimes funny to me, like I'm a rule follower, but I'm also willing to take these huge risks. And so I think what I would have told myself, um, is like, yeah, you can do this. And just to have that confidence to really feel good about taking these steps. Cause they have been scary for sure, but I'm really glad that I did it.
1: That's awesome. It's really cool to be able to look back and be proud of choices that you made and stuff like that I also am a rule follower and um I also have learned the hard way through making risky choices that like that is the way to get great is when you make those risky choices and you get a little outside of the rules so I think some people could really use that advice um and you um you do something in your spare time that we talked a little bit about, and I would like for you to tell everyone listening more about that.
2: Okay. What you're
1: passionate about.
2: Oh, was this? Oh yeah. I had to remember. I was like, what did I tell you? Um, so, well, first of all, I, I took my first solo retreat a couple months ago, um, which just means I picked a resort in the desert and went, <laughs> went by myself without family and just gave my time myself time and space to think and breathe and hike and, and just, I mean, just really think. And, um, and as, as a result of that, I kind of came back really energized around this idea that I have, which is I want to help more, um, collegians, but sp- probably specifically collegiate women, because I do a lot of volunteer work with those groups now and really help them start their path on solid footing when it comes to their career. So, you know, I've done all this work for the last for years now, helping law firms understand how to hire and what that hiring process looks like and how to manage people and train people. And now I sort of want to take that messaging and flip it. And I've done this with a couple of law schools where I've helped lawyers or law students learn how to interview and learn how to avoid toxic workplaces. And what, what I want to make them feel empowered because they do have choices when they're out there looking for a job and figuring out where they want to go with their career path. And, um, I think what you and I talked about too, is no one ever told me that. And I certainly felt the pressure when I was coming out of school that I needed to take whatever was going to be given to me because, and I should be thankful that I had a job and I certainly was, um, but, you know, I had some missteps along the way and looking back, I mean, they all served their purpose, so no regrets, but it was like, wow, those were some crazy jobs that if I had known better, maybe I didn't have to take or didn't have to spend my time that way. And so I just really want to, um, I have this idea anyway, that I'm going to go and teach collegiate students some of these tools now, so they can maybe start their path differently.
1: That is so amazing. And I think there's probably so many, women that are just like you when you were in law school that need to hear that they can do big things and they need to hear what you would have told yourself. And I think it's really cool that you are taking the time to try and pass that learning on. Um, This conversation has been really, really great. I would love for you to share where our listeners can find you. um, If they're looking for more information on lawyers, they want to buy your book, where can they do all of that?
2: Yeah. I mean, the easiest place is our site. So go to lawyerist.com. Um, and you can find me there. You can access our podcast anywhere you download podcasts. Um, it's just called the lawyers Podcast. and our book is the small firm roadmap and it's available on Amazon. I'm proud. It's an Amazon bestseller in its category and mm-hmm. continues to be really strong. I mean, people it's been out for almost two years now and people continue to read it and And find it helpful, which honestly is the best compliment you can get, because if you haven't written a book, writing it, it's like putting a part of yourself out in the world, right? You're not sure how people are going to receive it, but we've been so grateful for the great feedback that we've gotten on it. Um, and so that's there. Or, I mean, if you have a more direct question, feel free, Stephanie at lawyerist.com to reach out, um, I'm around, I'm available, I'm a person, so I'm always happy to chat. (laughs)
1: That's awesome. And you are um, surprisingly um, available, I guess. <laughs> like I I really thought it would be harder to get a chat with you. And so that I think is amazing too, that you're making yourself open to be able to talk to people. Um yeah. even though you're so busy doing so many amazing things. So um thank you so much for joining me today, Stephanie. And thank you everyone um, for tuning in. If you learned something or enjoyed this podcast, please share it with someone else who might get some value from it. And that is it. Another great episode of Solo DeFacto.
0: Thank you for joining us for today's show. For more information, visit our site at solodefacto.com. And remember, smash that like and subscribe button on your favorite podcast app solo de facto is sponsored by backoffice betty's trusted virtual legal receptionist helping you grow your firm one call one chat one new client at a time to discover how they can help you grow your firm head on over to backofficebetty's.com and mention the solo de facto show for an exclusive listener offer